The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tally and Damien. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Tally 6 Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? I'm doing really well this week, man, and this is... Episode five zero, episode fifty, and I think it's going to be a good 50. one. Yeah, I mean, fifty episodes in, we're two away from that one year mark. Fifty two weeks in a row, minus the Christmas break, of course. But yeah, it's exciting stuff. It's exciting stuff. Can't wait for the next fifty two. Absolutely, and you know, I mean, we should take this opportunity right now to thank everybody that's supported us and that are listening and enjoying the podcast and um yeah we hope we can continue to to bring you guys some really great content for sure and for those who were around in the youtube days when we were only getting 12 viewers uh (laughs) 12 views a show uh we really appreciate the support and for you to stick with us um you know our our reach has grown a little bit since going audio only. I think it's just a little bit more accessible for a two hour show. So I think that was a really awesome move that we, uh, that we did. And, uh, yeah, I love doing it. Are you missing the YouTube days? I mean, the editing, I do not miss. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, I do quite a bit of editing with the audio only too, but, uh, I enjoy the audio stuff more. Yeah, yeah, I it's get all it. right. All right. Well, with that being said, I mean, we have a great show lined up for you. We're, you know, we're talking Beach Break, AEW Dynamite this week, uh, AEW Dark, Being the Elite. We have some big news coming out of Being the Elite. So can't wait to get into that. Um, we do have some kind of breaking kayfabe esque news, but we're going to tackle that at the end of the show. And if you know, you know. So stay tuned. Make sure you're tuned to the end of the show to catch that stuff. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get right into being the elite. Being the Elite, episode 241, and Damien, it has happened. It's happened. We had a name of one of our podcast episodes before Being the Elite did. So, round of applause for us. (laughs) We're usually ripping off their titles. (laughs) They finally ripped off one of ours. So uh, Yeah, and and that title that I came up with there was... From one of the promos, it was it was such a very catchy part of that promo. The betrayal is real. I I'm like, yeah, that's that's gonna be the name of our episode. And I had to I had to give myself a little smile when I saw the title of this week's being the elite. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So yeah, episode two forty one, the betrayal is real. 
Um, I mean, this was a decent episode. I think it was really just because it was shorter. It was a shorter episode. Um, you know, overall, the skits were, were probably misses. But uh, I laughed my ass off in the opening part, and uh, I really enjoyed the ending of, of this week's Being the Elite. So decent overall for me. Yeah, I, I really find that the Young Bucks, I don't know, they seem a bit um, almost embarrassed. <laughs> I don't know if this is all a work, but they almost seem embarrassed by by having the good brothers on there and the, the things that they're doing and saying, uh, I'm surprised they kept this part. <laughs> well, they are Christian AF, right? So, right. Right. <laughs> and, and Gallows and Anderson are definitely not Christian AF. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, how the good brothers, they're, they're laying it on pretty thick. Sometimes it's a little, uh, it's a little much, but, uh, I mean, funny's funny sometimes. And, uh, you know, this one was funny <laughs> for me anyways, maybe I was just in a better mood this week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It's just, it just really seems like the bucks are just really uncomfortable with all of this. Uh, but we get a, a pretty huge statement out of this one where, where Nick says, uh, right to the camera, this isn't a storyline. We're not working with them. And he's referring to the 2021 Bullet Club. Uh, what did you think about this line? Uh, it's bullshit, I feel. There's, uh, there's no way. Okay, maybe, maybe the Young Bucks aren't. Maybe the Young Bucks haven't talked to uh, Tama, but there's no way Kenny and the Good Brothers are wearing Bullet Club shirts on TNA or Impact, sorry, without some kind of text message, uh, Twitter DM, just a heads up. There's no way. I, I, I don't feel like without it, New Japan has some serious, serious legal, um, I don't know, obligations, I guess you could say, you know, if there wasn't some sort of, uh, so, you know, honestly, the Young Bucks haven't really outright, outright said Bullet Club. It's, it's mostly Kenny and, and the Good Brothers. So I could see maybe Nick saying, you know, we're not, we're not working with them. Maybe it's the loophole, but I, I find it hard to believe that there hasn't been any communication between new Japan bullet club and, and this new revival. Yeah. I, I, I felt the same way. This seems to be like classic young bucks where they're outright telling you this is what it is by saying it's not that. Right. Um, I can't think of any specific thing that they've said. I can't quite remember that. I should have maybe did some research on that, but I feel they've done this before where they're just like, this isn't what it is yet. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think about this nickname they've given to Callus? 
The Donaconda. The Donaconda? Did, uh, I Anderson? think that was Gallows. I think that was it Gallows. Was Gallows, yeah. The, the, Donaconda. the Donaconda. I mean, yeah. That was whatever. that was for me the funniest part of that whole yeah that whole part. I mean, he needs something because Don is really the the outsider in this group. <laughs> right, you know, right. one of these things is not like the other. He's doing his best trying to play the uh, you know the the snake the the businessman the the kind of the uh the you know the invisible hand he he's really doing a good job but his appearance just doesn't come off like that so maybe a badass nickname will kind of help that image a little bit so yeah right, i'm cool right. with it the donaconda <laughs> I'd, I'd i'd call that to him and to his face if i ran into him at polo park <laughs> well i think you'd have to <laughs> Hey, Donaconda, you just, uh, shopper's drug mart, you get some prescriptions filled or what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he doesn't turn around. Times. He doesn't even answer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, from there, I mean, the rest of the show was, uh, I mean, from here it was pretty weak sauce. Um, we got to see clips from uh, the Young Bucks Good Brothers match. Uh uh, Young Bucks mentioned that they really had to edit that match down for TV because there was a lot of, uh, we'll call it extracurricular activities. Uh, you know, TV liberties were taken maybe uh, from the Good Brothers that uh, maybe weren't allowed to be shown on TV. So we got to see some of that uh, kind of behind the scenes look, uh, some of the stuff that got cut out. Um, Grayson. Uh, another kind of bit that's been going on is this relationship between Grayson and Anna Jay. And, uh, you know, they kind of run into each other in, in a corridor of some sort. And Anna just absolutely tosses Stu Grayson over, over a railing. And he actually like rolls down a, like a wheelchair accessible ramp or a loading dock of some sort. Can't really remember. And it, this takes Ty Conte back a little bit. And, um, I mean, I thought this was an interesting uh, interaction that, uh, you know, this is the first time Tay Conte's kind of been around for, for Anna's uh, antics towards Stu. So what'd you think of that? Man, can Grayson take a bump, eh? Oh, for sure. He makes Anna look so strong. Yeah. Uh, but it is very much like, you know, kindergarten and you're chasing, you know, after somebody and you're pulling their hair and, you know, you're, you're, you're making it seem like you don't like the person, but yet you, you really do. Uh, that's kind of been the story they've been telling. And this is the first time it's been kind of laid out to Anna that, Hey, do you, do you like him kind of thing? So, I mean, it's interesting. Right. And, and I like that they just kind of gave us this tease with it and Anna really shrugs it off and, and whatnot. So I'm guessing this is probably something we'll see going forward. Yeah, they definitely have something to build on here. Uh, Cutler and Luchasaurus have another kind of interaction. Um, I like that, uh, you know, Brandon Cutler is coming to admit that, you know, the dinosaur beat the dragon and, and he's kind of, apologizing maybe for some of the stuff that uh, he said towards Luchasaurus and dinosaurs. 
And I like that uh, Luchasaurus calls out the uh, the choke slam, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to have to choke slam you again." And Cutler's like, "Oh God, I know, I, I'm still feeling it." <laughs> I thought that was interesting. You know, yeah, it, it was a mistake. It was a botch, and you know, it, it's just more evidence of these guys taking it, spinning it, laughing at themselves, if you will, and and, and making it kind of making it a thing like they're not shying away from that so i thought that was really cool um rest of this bit i don't get it's garbage i think there was just literally some like a dinosaur sideshow was in town and they're like hey we have to do something right so they just did this like weird golf cart tour like i don't know it was awkward i don't get it but it was funny yeah i know i i totally think that's what it was and and imagine i was imagining um the year that they had the dinosaurs at the zoo here in the city where, you know, you kind of just walked around the zoo and then every now and then you'd see this huge dinosaur. Uh, it was the same kind of idea. I'm sure that they were the exact same dinosaurs that they had here in Winnipeg. <laughs> um, But yeah, I guess, it, I guess what we get out of this is that there's now maybe a friendship here. Right. And, um... I don't know. What what are we thinking? Maybe new member of Jurassic Express. Jurassic. It's possible. It's possible. Mm. We'll uh we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Um next segment was the Dark Order Slumber Party. It was something that we were hinted towards uh last week. Um I thought this started off really, really funny and how, you know, they were all pumped up, Grayson real life job back in uh back in uh quebec canada here he was actually a construction worker so they played into that they're like oh you know all those years of working construction really paid off this uh this is an awesome little tent that you built it was literally just the couches and uh you know sheets that we used to do in the basement all those years ago it was just basically one of those but they totally gassed him up for for his uh construction abilities i thought that was funny and uh and then they're like yeah so uh no girls allowed uh five get the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> and just more of this abuse more of this abuse towards alan angels uh i like this story i feel bad for the guy he was the first one recruited and he's the <laughs> he's the, the one who's always getting shit on like it's just it's just kind of funny how things uh have worked out for alan angels but the rest yeah, of it was kind of so and i'm i'm imagining you know kayfabe here that alan angels is probably the darling of the group and it, it just makes sense that he's the one they shit on just because he's probably you know the most over guy um in in their little community there so right i think it's hilarious and i like how he at the end here he's you know still hanging out outside of the little tent there right um did they acknowledge him there i can't even remember uh anna yeah anna does so so we have um we had the situation where anna had kind of enough of uh of the boys in the tent so she leaves and then there's hangman coming in to grab a bottle of jack and she's like oh you know so this is you know this is what's happening you're just coming in to get your drink and and they really portray this um you know this breakup like a like 
Like you would see this in the movies with a with a breakup where it's just like you can't keep hanging around. You broke our hearts or you broke their hearts is how Anna portrays it. Like she's not really part of it. Uh, you can't hang around here anymore. Like you need to let them get over you is kind of the thing. And Hangman kind of obliges and, and takes his bottle and walks away. And then there's Alan Angels hanging out above the tent and he makes some kind of remark towards Anna and then Anna's just like, you know, shut up. And then it goes back underneath and, and the guys are like, five, are you still out there? Thought we told you to get lost. There's no <laughs> girls allowed and all this stuff. So yeah, they do acknowledge, uh, they do acknowledge them. It's pretty funny. That's pretty funny stuff. Now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, it was actually pretty funny. <laughs> Um, more crappy Matt Hardy private party stuff. We could skip right over and, uh, you know, let, I mean, let's just get right into being the elite BTE championship here. Uh, this is a great way to, I mean, this is the way we've been ending these episodes for the last, you know, two months or so. And, uh, this was a big one. This was, uh, I feel like this was the first challenge that maybe John Silver, didn't come up with and didn't cater to his uh skill sets you know we had played some beer pong we were playing skittles uh the bottle cap kick kickoff thing like these are all things that i'm sure silver knew he was pretty good at but now we're kicking legit field goals mind you they were only doing it from like 10 yards out uh i'm pretty sure our sister could probably kick that field goal, but uh <laughs> I mean I, I, I understand after watching it why they were at the ten yard line. Um for as great of athletes as these two individuals are, it's very obvious they never played little league soccer. Right. Um or even Pop Warner football or, or anything. <laughs> They've never, ball, they've right? never kicked anything. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I cringed watching this. It was, it was ugly. It was ugly. And, and um, Sammy was wearing his big, you know, I, I, what, lug boots. You know what I mean? Like those, those fashionable, you know, work boots. They're not really work boots, but they're made to look like work boots. Like, right, dude, right. I would have rather went barefoot than try to kick in in those. <laughs> but you can't really say too much because the guy drains, you know, two out of two out of four. Two, well, we don't know how many they actually took, but I think it ended up being two out of four for Sammy. And, uh, you know, John Silver had had the opportunity to, to extend the competition in his overtime kick and he totally whiffs it. We have a new champion, not of being the elite, but of YouTube as Sammy refers to himself. He is the champion of YouTube. So, uh, <laughs> we have our first title change essentially. Well, Oh no, I guess Trent was the first champion, right? Right. I mean, so silver, silver won it so quickly after that. It was the first challenge after that. That uh, I feel like he's been champ for so long. So, new champion Sammy Guevara. It'll be interesting to see if 
are are we going to continue to see the BTE championship on being the elite or are we going to have to tune into uh, the Sammy vlog to see these competitions now? And I think it's a good opportunity to, to get some uh, fan crossover, you know, some viewer crossover for, for both channels. So I hope they handle this right. Yeah, I, I fully expect that it'll be shown on there for sure. Um, I'm, I'm only going to guess that the competitions are going to stay on being the elite just cause it's the BTE championship, but, um, yeah, Sammy's got his first title in AEW. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, that was being the elite. Let's move on to this week's AEW dark. AEW Dark, episode 73. Um, this was February 2nd, 2021. We had 13 matches on the docket, as well as a waiting room uh, episode of the waiting room, I guess you can say. Uh, I quickly ran through this, actually, just before we recorded. Uh, I mean, we've mentioned before that AEW Dark isn't really a priority for us uh, sometimes as the shows are so long but uh i wanted to check out a couple of a couple of matches couple of the uh stars that i've been having my eye on so i checked out layla hirsch uh i checked out thunder rose's match against danny jordan um and uh you know the gun club was in action that was a good tag team match not austin gun it was billy and his, and the other brother i can't even remember what his name is but uh so that was an interesting, you know, something new that we haven't seen before. And then uh, Ricky Starks uh, showing up on the waiting room was uh, awkward, to say the least. All right. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to to see any of this. And um, the only thing I'll, I'll say about Dark is that uh, reading online, a lot of people are, I think, in agreement to what we've been saying about Dark. Like, it's just, it's it seems... Like there's a lot of matches and the consensus kind of seems to be that or the or the question being asked is, is it going to change once they start touring again? And, and I thought that was right. a really good point brought up by uh, whoever brought that up, whoever I was reading about online. Um, that, yeah, we probably won't see as many dark matches once they're no longer just at Daly's Place where it's very convenient now to just record, you know, hours and hours of matches. Right. I mean, I, we, we mentioned it uh, briefly a couple weeks ago. I can't remember how long ago that was, but um, I had listened to Cody Rhodes' most recent um, uh, visit to the Talk is Jericho podcast, and they kind of talk about how AEW Dark is basically Tony Khan's way to give some of these independent wrestlers a place to work. You know, with the pandemic and indie promotions not being able to run, you can't really rent out a building just anywhere now and and pack a couple hundred people into a into a venue. You can't do that right now. So this is a chance for some indie wrestlers to get at least some exposure, get some 
you know, get some matches on TV, get them, get them seen. And I mean, that's all great and dandy. And I, and you know, props to TK for, for doing that. But yeah, you, you got to hope that when the pandemic kind of lifts and, and things start to get back to normal and AEW is back on the touring road, going from town to town that maybe dark gets compressed back to those four matches you know four matches a week um there's been rumors of of a second show being being implemented soon maybe that can take up some of the some of the uh, workload away from dark kind of thing so but yeah you know I don't and mind. It's, and I it's don't hockey mind season in. right now, so it's <laughs> it's tough to dedicate tough. another two hours to wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it is tough. It is tough. Um, but no, uh, like I mentioned, Layla Hirsch looked good in her match. Thunder Rosa looked good. Um, she was going up against Danny Jordan. I'm very interested in in Danny Jordan's future. Um, she has since being a part of AEW and doing these dark matches. I don't think she has a win yet, but you can tell she's been putting in the work. Like she is crisping up everything. Um, I, I mean, we don't like to talk about, you know, women's bodies here, but, uh, she's looking good and she's, she's in shape. And, and I like what, where Danny Jordan's going, you know, this girl has potential. She has the charisma. She's got that whole burn book, uh, gimmick. Uh, I'm really liking Danny Jordan. Yeah. I, I really like Danny Jordan too. Uh, for all the reasons that you just described. Um, did you take note of Thunder Rosa's face paint in her win? Yes. Did, was the paint on the right-hand side or the left-hand side? Um, we were talking about this week how we have a theory of right. where her face paint might be giving away, whether it's a win or a loss. Right. Um, so. I do believe her face paint was on the left side of her face so camera right okay and she does win and i mean we'll we'll touch on this a little bit later during the dynamite match but uh i don't know i feel like i'm just seeing what i want to see now <laughs> uh yeah and then uh just quickly uh the waiting room uh brit baker did her usual shtick she uh kind of roasted um uh, who was she talking about? I think she was talking about Moxley a little bit again. I can't remember. I, I literally just watched this like an hour ago, and I still can't remember. And it wasn't that memorable. It doesn't say too much yeah. for the waiting room. Yeah, for sure. But uh, she had a special guest, Ricky Starks, and I was just assuming that Ricky was going to come in and, and do some more bitching and complaining, as, as Teen Taz likes to do. But, uh, you know, he 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 promotes the match at revolution against Darby Allen and sting, which is fine. It seemed pretty legit up and up, I guess it was just a regular kind of promo. Uh, you know, we're going to kick their butts, but then the interview turns a little awkward, as I mentioned earlier, and it's just this absolute flirt off between Ricky and Britt Baker and Britt, dressed like ricky starks they had that faux uh rock 1996 you know the infamous black sweater with the chain and the fanny pack they were both kind of wearing that style 
and uh, they were both complimenting each other. And then just as things are about to get a little too steamy for, for TV in barges, uh, Tony Schiavone and uh, Tony getting in Ricky's Ricky's face a little bit. And he's just like, Hey, you need to look at the pictures on the wall. You know, you stay off my territory kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know that was the the impl the implied uh, sentiment, I guess you could say. And uh, you know, Tony calls that there's no more time for the show, and 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 the waiting room ends. It was actually pretty funny. It was actually pretty entertaining. But uh, wow. I can't help but feel like uh, Adam Cole needs to get his ass over to AEW to watch his woman because Ricky Starks <laughs> is moving in. That is hilarious. I might have to go check that out. Um, so Ricky Starks didn't promo his new TV show. He did not mention any TV shows. Oh, I was for sure. He was the star of the, the, the new show coming. I can't remember why network called young rock about <laughs> Dwayne Johnson's life. I can only assume he's, you know, <laughs> gonna portray the role of a young Dwayne Johnson with the fanny pack. Ricky Starks could play a young Dwayne Johnson at the age of about eight, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, no, I'll, I'll just quickly say here that you know Ricky Starks um, in in a, the unrestricted podcast he did with Tony and Aubrey, uh, there was mention of this comparison of him and The Rock. And and I would just think that if I was Ricky Starks and my look was, you know, getting the reaction of being compared to The Rock, that you might go a little bit above and beyond to try to change that to have your own right. kind of uh, style persona. But he seems to kind of just be just embracing it and just sitting right in there like it's every week he's it's getting to be i don't want to say worse but it you know he's coming out with no socks rolled up right pants like like that is totally the rock early 2000s or late the un 90s the unbutton floral silk shirts you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah like are we gonna see and, the people's eyebrows soon like if he does that I'm done with wrestling. Has, has, <laughs> has he come out with sunglasses yet? Yeah, he's come out with the sunglasses. Oh, okay, okay. I must have missed that week. <laughs> yeah, no, he's definitely steering into the skid, uh, so to speak. So, I don't know, we'll see. I mean, if, if, that's, if that's what he needs to do to get over, is to uh, completely infringe on the, on the Rock's gimmick, then whatever but i i totally agree if he starts calling himself the people's champion <laughs> well I, you know what I if mean, Al if adam cole comes over and his first um his first storyline is with ricky starks uh that will really suck for adam cole because if he has to be involved with team taz yeah that, that just sucks feuds with team taz is where talents go to die Anyways, I hate Team Taz, by the way. Let's get into this week's AEW rankings. (music) 
AEW rankings for February 3rd, 2021. What do we got? I see some I see some new faces. We got we got quite a bit of changes actually this week in the men's division, MGF and Ricky Starks out of the top 5. It's was shocking how long Ricky Starks was in the top 5, but uh he's out now. And um we have one face that it's it's a it's like a about time he's there, and then another one that I was kind of a little bit surprised about. So, uh, Kenny Omega, Darby Allen, still our champs. John Moxley, the number one contender. Cody still up there in position number two. Ray Phoenix making what I'm gonna say is his debut in the men's rankings. Don't remember ever seeing him here. He debuts at number three with a three and one record. Miro also, I believe his debut or maybe second time on the men's rankings at position number four and Pac rounding out the top five. I do so believe Miro. Are... I do believe Miro kind of popped in at that number five position when he maybe first debuted, but then, okay. uh, but then the, the bitching and complaining of Team Taz kind of ruined that for Miro. But. Right, right. In the women's division, Hikaru Shida, still the champ. Serena Deeb, the number one contender. And wow, this is like an entire cleaning of the house. Big mm-hmm. Swole, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, and my little Anna Jay, all out mm-hmm. of the top five and all replaced by... Red Velvet at number two, Britt Baker at number three, Thunder Rosa on number at number four, and Tay Conte making her first appearance in the women's rankings. Um, what do you think about this complete cleaning of the the women's rankings? If there was out of the three power rankings that we cover every week, men's, women's, and the tag team. The women's was the one that I I most disagreed with. Like we we don't get to see Nyla Rose very much. We haven't really seen Big Swole since since Full Gear. Um, you know Penelope Ford kind of you could argue had her spot there and and Anna J too. But if I were to my current power rankings for the women's division, these are the five ladies I'm going with. I'd probably order them a little different. I don't think Red Velvet's quite number two yet. I think I would move. Uh, I would. I would have even moved before this week. I would move Thunder Rosa up to two. Britt Baker, Red Velvet, and then Ty Conte maybe would be my top five. But this is definitely a better representation of the women's division right now. So I am one hundred percent on board with this. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. In the tag division the young bucks steal the champs ftr still the number one contenders followed by jurassic express chris jericho and mgf have moved up two positions to the to number three the acclaimed taken down one level to uh position number four and proud and powerful thought this was a little odd power proud 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 and powerful in at number five dark order out um, I don't know why I'm a little bit shocked that Proud and Powerful is in there, but uh, I like it if if my theory about Inner Circle is going to play out. Proud and Powerful have kind of uh, taken on that, um, I don't know, 
not the Ricky Starks role, but um, I can't remember who was in the the number five position there for the men's or the women's, and it was just like every other week they were number five, and then they'd be out, and then they were number five, and then they'd be out. They were kind of prairie dogging it, I think is what I uh, referred to. Um, right. Proud and Powerful seems to be that in, in the tag team division right now. Um, they haven't had themselves uh, a straight-up, solo tag team match outside of dark in a really long time so i mean as much as i love proud and powerful and i think that they should be better represented in the tag team division um i do like this i mean it's a start and like you said if your predictions for the inner circle uh happen the way they happen then uh, maybe this is the beginning of that and we're starting to see it and right uh, you know as long as I see more uh, negative numbers besides the acclaim, uh, I'm all for that too. So, <laughs> well, I, and I, you know what? This just made me think that some of these numbers, these are wins from dark. Uh, do yes. you feel like uh, wins from dark should sort of matter here? I mean, they definitely have to, I feel like, because otherwise, especially tag teams, their records would be, you know, proud and powerfuls would be 0 and one at this point. Um, even Jurassic, Jurassic express. They've only had one match on, uh, on dynamite this year. So they would be one and oh, you know what I mean? So, Yeah. Dark matches definitely have to uh, have to count here. It's too many tag teams, or not too many, but there's there's a lot of them. So yeah, they can't all be on dynamite. For sure, for sure. All right, so that's our power rankings for this week. Let's get right into this week's AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite. Wednesday Night Dynamite, February 3rd, 2021. This was the Dynamite special beach break. Um, We've been, they've been advertising beach break since, since the week after full gear, I believe. You know, this is mid-November when we first heard the kind of the the holiday season of specials. You know, we had uh, the Holiday Bash, New Year's Smash, Nights 1 and 2, and then uh, starting off February with Beach Break. Uh, we had talked about uh, a few weeks ago how this this episode of, of Dynamite was supposed to take place in Miami. They had a full promotion for it being in Miami, and it wasn't until just a couple weeks ago that they had to nix those plans, essentially. Um and, you know, we're just back in, in Daly's place in Jacksonville. I feel like there's a lot of unnecessary hate towards these dynamite specials um, coming from the vanilla, the vanilla um, marks, we'll, we'll call them. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about NXT being a better show than dynamite this week. Uh, they didn't need a beach theme to to try to pull in viewers and stuff like that. And I was just like, yeah, they didn't need a beach theme, but you know, they brought the rated R superstar 
to NXT. They promoted the hell out of that to try to get some uh, viewers in. And uh, so don't don't start knocking the beach theme. They've been planning this for two months. It's not like it was a, uh, <clears throat> a reactionary call. Oh, we need a Dynamite special this week because, you know, Edge is going to be on NXT. We need something to to counter uh counter promo this like no beach break's been been booked for for months so uh you know go back to yeah like they're they're really not seeing this realistically if they think that it's AEW that's reacting to what wwe is doing Um, if they if they really saw this with uh you know clear glasses they would see it's it's quite the opposite of that that's, that's very very obvious yeah for sure and alvarez brian alonzo brad alonzo whatever that fool's name is the ratings came out this week and beach break pulled in 830 average eight hundred thirty thousand average viewers and uh, the rated r superstar only brought in 668 which is actually down from the week before so oh that's shocking that's shocking yeah i i i think i texted you i i i said i think there's a chance nxt pulls in more viewers this week i was giving them their props edge showing up to challenge finn balor like that's big news that is big news if nxt actually aired on wednesday in canada here uh i i maybe i would have uh dual casted it with dynamite but uh, I don't get to, we don't get to watch NXT until Friday, the hour before SmackDown. So, right, right. So, anyways, let's get into the show. It was a, it was a great show. Like, there's no doubt about it that those, uh, those ratings do tell the story. And, and don't let any AEW haters uh, try to uh, hinder your view of what this episode was. This is a really solid show from AEW. Um, beach break theme aside or not, like start to finish, this is a really great show. Uh, let's talk about the start of the show. We're, we're starting off with the tag team battle royale. Um, there was some big implications coming from, from this matchup. Uh, winner. Uh, guaranteed uh, a title shot at Revolution against the Tag Champs. Tag Champs were in the Battle Royal, much like they were last year. And uh, if they win, if they win, they get to choose their uh, their opponents themselves, which, uh, you know, they were teasing last week that that might be the Impact Champions in, in the Good Brothers. Um, when comparing this tag team battle royale to the one we saw at this time last year. I mean, this one was hands down hundred percent better. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, this was a really good match. They did it right. And, um, man, I wish, I I wish we were recording while we were watching this because man, did they ever have us guessing we we were yes as we're watching predicting what we think is going to happen and at like this two seconds after we finish saying yeah yeah this is what's going to happen then that person would be eliminated and it's like oh crap i guess <laughs> i gotta think of something else um, so yeah we didn't have this figured out at all no and, and that's that's a sign of a good a, a good battle royale um 
compare it to this past weekend, uh, the vanilla brand had the Royal Rumble. Um, I mean, let's talk counter counter programming here. Maybe the tag team battle royale is a little bit of counter programming against the Royal Rumble. It seems we have the tag team battle royale the same week week that uh, the Royal Rumble is. But uh, you know, watching the Royal Rumble, like I was, I was with the boys. Shout out to to Corey and and the boys there. Um, like predicting the Royal Rumble is as easy as counting to one, two, three. Like I, I predicted the men's Royal Rumble winner the week before when he declares himself <laughs> into the Royal Rumble. It was just the promo. It was Edge saying, "Hey, I'm entering the Royal Rumble and I'm gonna win because I need to win back what I never lost." Referring to the WWE Championship. I'm like, well, that's the story right there. Done Easy and as done, pie. Yeah. Done and done, you know. And I mean, I could go into very great detail about everything that happened during both Royal Rumble matches. And you know, I'm just, I'm just, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And the guys are slapping me like, dude, shut the fuck up. You're in the show. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything comes true. So, you know, for, for AEW, to absolutely have me fooled and i i feel like i had some pretty good some pretty good uh situations for for um for them to happen and uh yeah they they were they were keeping us on our toes they did a really good job this is a very very entertaining tag team battle royal and when you compare it to the one we saw last year like i mentioned earlier i'm pretty sure we covered last year's tag team battle royal in the very first pilot episode of uh keeping it kayfabe before we changed the name, I, b- I believe that's the episode of Dynamite that we started reviewing was the tag team battle royal. And we absolutely shit on it. If it wasn't for that Sammy Guevara getting his head kicked off, like that match sucked. Right, right. So yeah, yeah I totally remember they, that. They learned, they learned their lessons. This was an amazing battle royal. But let's talk about some of the uh, tag teams that we had. You mentioned... Uh, in the power ranking section that we have a lot of tag teams and and boy do we ever you know we got private party the acclaimed top flight jurassic express uh dark orders grayson and uno inner circle proud and powerful dark orders silver and reynolds who were replacing ftr as they were suspended by one week for for the attack on jurassic express the week before uh we had sammy hagar in action uh inner circles mjf and chris jericho and of course the young bucks um i mean that's a tag team division right there that that's huge those big names um we'll talk about ftr a little bit later in the show but i think i think they they missed out i think aew really um really uh slipped the rug out from under us i I feel like ftr could have just made this battle royale even bigger but for the storyline wise i get it i guess yeah absolutely and um you know when we talk about who wins this um i really never thought about it until right now but i mean that that's a i want to see that on a promo poster because I want to see that match. <laughs> it might not happen. Still some time till we get there, but I want to see that match. What match is that? The match at Revolution for the, for the belt. 
but like <laughs> I don't know. Bro, you, I, guess they, I was talking. I, guess about, they get, I was talking about FTR, and and you're you kind of went on a different tangent. So who are you talking about? The winners of the match. Oh, okay. Who who yeah. was it? <laughs> well, we'll get there. We'll get there. I didn't want to give it away. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Um, confusing me, man. uh, Sorry, man. I'm sorry. Uh, A lot of this match, um, you know, was the 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 regular. You know, every everybody uh, kind of gets thrown out of the ring, and then we we get spots where uh, we're just seeing you know individuals or you know some two on ones kinds of thing. But the it really got interesting once the Good Brothers come out to the ring. This was uh, not something I thought was going to happen. Really didn't think that they'd be part of this. Uh, what did you think about the Good Brothers joining in the fun here during the Battle Royal? Uh, I liked it. It it really um, it really paints that picture that they're they're working on their own motives right now. You know, they're working. Uh, they have their own agenda. Um. The way the way I think it's Nick Jackson is confused of why they're there, you know, and he's kind of miming to the cameras, if anything, that, uh, you know, we don't need your help to, to do this. And then very quickly afterwards, Nick Jackson gets uh, gets eliminated, which I thought was huge. I thought that was one of the biggest moments of the. Uh, of the Battle Royale is that, you know, one of the tag team champs gets eliminated very very early in the match so uh you know good brothers being a part of this in their own little way i think it just helps driving this this uh kenny omega story it's it's all about kenny omega really so i'm fine with it yeah absolutely i mean it's the good brothers that kind of inadvertently eliminate the team that was kind of teasing they would pick them as being the ones that they would they would face at revolution um so yeah a little bit weird there but the final four ends up being sammy guevara mjf chris jericho and darius martin i was a bit shocked at uh, top flight being to the bitter end here did you feel like darius had a chance to take this one home i mean they're AEW is really pushing top flight, and if if they 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 see something in in these two guys, and that's cool, and I and I'm behind it. But I mean, for them to win this kind of thing so early in their careers, I just feel like that's a wrong move. But um, it, it doesn't hurt to to throw, especially just half half the tag team. Like if they're both in there, maybe. Maybe that's a little much, but I like that just one of them's there. He's up against kind of the the big threat in inner circle. You know, all these guys are are working together, right? So, um, it it I mean it adds a little bit of uh, drama, I guess, to it. But uh, there was no chance Top Flight's winning this. Yeah, they definitely didn't have the numbers <laughs> facing uh, three members of inner circle. Um, but, uh, we, we get the moment that we really thought was going to happen. And that is inner circle kind of turning on themselves and, and Jericho 
Um, I, I put in the plan here, inadvertently eliminate Sammy. We could argue whether there was, you know, a bit of motive to this as well. Uh, definitely fits into the story. Sammy getting eliminated by Jericho. The final two being Jericho and, and Darius Martin. At this point, I'm wondering, wow, does Top Flight have the chance? Does it make sense for a Jericho MJF meeting at Revolution against the Young Bucks? Uh, what did you think about the end of this one? Um, well, at the at the very beginning of the of the battle royale, we we both kind of agreed that Jericho is eliminating Sammy. That was kind of the one thing that we had gotten right very, very early on. Not necessarily near the end of the match, but just some point, Jericho's gonna eliminate Sammy and, and gonna spark some some kind of doubt in Sammy, right? Because that's just the logical place of where it's going. So yeah, we do get to see that, which was um which was good to see. And and then yeah, when you talk about the final two, Jericho and, and Darius Martin, um, I mean, I didn't give top flight any chance at this point. Like it, it was a hundred percent gonna be Jericho. Um, Jericho's not jobbing out to, to top flight. Uh, you know, they had their tag match against top flight and, and they didn't even job out to them. So, um, I, I thought they did, uh, a really good job. Darius got some offense in on, on Jericho and it was kind of his young, uh, overzealous nature, which ends up getting him eliminated as he's on the outside. Uh, he flips over the top rope. He's going to go do a springboard of some sort, but Jericho reads it, hits the Judas effect, and one of the absolute nastiest bumps to the outside I have ever seen. This kid was already pretty high in the air as he was kind of you know leaping for the springboard, and then he just launches himself backwards and lands on the back of his neck. No one was really there to catch him. Uh, I think MJF might have been standing near there. I don't know if he was supposed to, but I mean, he totally stepped aside. This kid bumped, back bumped from the top row basically to the outside. It was nasty. He had to have been icing the back of his neck after that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That was gross. <laughs> you popped really gross. hard for that one. Oh, I did. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing looking spot, but you can't help but feel for the kid. Dude, you have your whole career. Don't go breaking your neck when you're 21 years old. Like, shit. <laughs> do it safer. Um, Just be safe. Do you think it was a botch? Do you think it was a botch? Uh, no, I think that's just being young and dumb. Like, okay. oh, this will look cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, usually, usually, okay, you do the spot, you get the Judas effect, you're going to kind of tumble down the ropes, hit the apron, and then roll out. But he decided just to throw himself to the ground. I think that was all him. It was a mistake. I'm sure he'll learn from it. I'm sure Thanks. even Jericho is going to take him aside. It's just like, dude, you have a whole life of doing this. Don't take bumps like that. That's unnecessary. Absolutely unnecessary. Looks great. Yeah. Thank you very God, much for giving yes. me that. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But dude, come on. You want to be... You want to be in this business for a while? You can't be doing that. You can't be doing that. So yeah, really great uh, Battle Royale. Uh, MJF and uh, Chris Jericho are the new number one contenders. Uh, I'm sure next week we're going to see them at the top of the list um, of the power rankings. They will take on um, 
They will take on the Young Bucks at Revolution. That match is set in stone March 7th. So that'll be awesome to see in a couple weeks. Uh, Sammy was uh, visibly upset um, with what happened. He was kind of still uh, ringside-ish when uh, when the win, you know, when the match kind of ends and uh, he kind of waves his hands and, and he's off. And we'll catch up with, uh, with Inner Circle a little bit later here. Uh, let's move on to uh, a segment that we skipped last week. Uh, we have TNT champion Darby Allen and Sting. They're out in the ring. Of course, Team Taz interrupting on the big screen. Um, they're referencing that they're not allowed to be on in the building because they attacked the t-shirt sellers outside of the arena last week. Um, I mean, I've been talk we've been talking about Team Taz for, for weeks now. And it's the same thing every time and it hasn't changed and i'm sorry but i'm over it and i've said that before and i'm sure our listeners are over me saying i'm over team taz um aew really needs to step back and and look at this feud because when it comes around to the bleacher report aew awards next year and there's the worst feud of the year it's gonna be team taz and sting and darby this has been absolute trash. It's trash writing. I think this is the unfortunately the um the the byproduct of the freedom that AEW wrestlers have. Um going back to the Cody Rhodes podcast with uh, Jericho, Cody talks about one of AEW's biggest strengths is is the freedom that the wrestlers have over creative. But that's also the biggest weakness. And I think this is what we're seeing is the weakness of the freedom. Because I don't know who is in charge of this feud. If it's Taz, if it's Darby, if it's all of them. But it's garbage. And I'm sick and tired of watching it. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. You have to, you ha- you'd have to think that Tony Khan kind of has the last say or a part of say and and i think when you're dealing with somebody like taz uh who's a veteran of the business like who's gonna go to taz and gonna say you know what you're doing here is garbage maybe there's some ultimate plan to it all but i don't know i'm a bit i'm a bit shocked by the way this has been going um this doesn't seem to be Taz, and I'm not going to pretend to know like Taz's career, but I mean, if he's supposed to be this big tough guy, why are they not beating the crap out of everyone? So yeah, it's just a bit weird. Now, now they're not even on the top of the stage, not fighting people. They're on the screen. They're not even in the building. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, they're getting they're getting further and further away from their objectives yeah the story is yeah. absolutely going backwards and i totally agree like I, I think i've said it um many many weeks ago that i would totally be down for team taz i like the pieces that are in place taz brian cage ricky starks now we got will hobbs now we have hook you know what i mean 
like the the pieces are there it's just how they're conducting themselves is not is not the way they should be conducting themselves you guys are trying to be badasses but like i i mean i'm basically going to be making a shirt at this point on pro wrestling tees it's just bitching and complaining you guys need to be out there cracking skulls well i guess they did that last week but did they <laughs> well to a couple the t-shirt of t-shirt vendors <laughs> t-shirt vendors but that's just it that's just more cowardice that you got to yeah. pick on the roadies you can't even you know so i don't i don't if, th- if is this a byproduct because it's sting and you know sting's got to limit his bumps because of the because of seth rollins not knowing how to wrestle properly uh, i mean that's a little overboard, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, I was gonna say don't I, get him started, but it was it was actually you that was getting it started. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. So, anyways, there was another interaction. If you haven't seen it, you could check out any interaction between Team Taz, Darby Allen, and Sting in the past three months, however long it's been since Sting uh, debuted. It's all the same. It's been all the same. So nothing new there. Let's move on. Um, one of the most anticipated matchups uh, of this week, of this beach break, was uh, Thunder Rosa versus Dr. Britt Baker. And I remember as um, as Thunder Rosa was coming out, you you had kind of mentioned, you know, I, I really hope this is good. I really hope this is a good match. And uh, I agree with you. I, I really, I was really hoping it was a good match. I'm not going to say it was a bad match, but it wasn't great. It was it was just really really solid. Um really really solid women's match. These two worked well together. It wasn't until near the end things started getting um a little uh disorganized similar to the Britt Baker Shanna match uh that we saw the week before. It was really really great until kind of the ending they got they kind of seemed lost. Um, but mind you, Thunder Rosa and Britt was a little bit, a little bit better than that. So what'd you think of this matchup? Yeah, I, I, I think the same. And and one of the reasons why I was really hoping this was a good match is because, uh, you know, Britt is the, the, the face of the women's division. Thunder Rosa, obviously a huge, uh, draw to that division. And if we're going to have the women's division be a legitimate division and maybe get more TV time and maybe get more than just one women's match on the card, then these types of matches have to hit. If they don't, then we're not going to progress any further than what we're currently at. And you're right, they didn't do bad, it uh, was a really solid match. Uh, you had actually commented during the match how you really liked how this was a like a really classic wrestling match, you know, very focused on body parts and, uh, you know, good in and outside of the ring stuff. Um, you know, as you were kind of introducing the match here, I, I feel like this week and last week, I, I wonder if part of the problem here is Britt Baker just getting gassed at the end and then 
I don't know, that ending part just doesn't flow. Or maybe she needs to work in this whole lockjaw and how they get into this move. Mm -hmm. Cause that's where it always seems to stumble. That's where it stumbled in the, the Shanna match. And it's where it stumbled here. It's getting into that lockjaw position. It, it just, it kind of gets fumbled. They were, yeah, they looked like uh, two pieces of bacon in a frying pan there for, <laughs> for about 10 seconds. It, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, Really good match, and I'm, I was actually a little bit surprised on the outcome of this. I thought maybe Thunder Rosa might take this one. Yeah, I, I thought they were going to give it to Thunder Rosa too, but giving it to Britt, um, it allows you to uh, you know, further the story. We can uh, let it, let it uh, simmer a little bit longer. We can let that bacon uh, sizzle a little bit longer, maybe get a little bit more crispy, uh, if you get my analogy. But um yeah, no, I I agree with what you said there with the uh with the lockjaw. I think something just needs to be I don't think it's so much the en the enter the entrance into the move. I think Britt does a good job in in kind of grabbing the one arm, pulling them down to the ground and locking it in. It's the constant struggle for um you know, the counters that makes it look really awkward, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to pull out and roll out into a pin and then you're going to roll back. And then it's just like back and forth and it's a struggle to get it in. That's what ends up looking awkward. Um, I think they could take, they could take notes from Kenny Omega in the, um, the way people counter the one winged angel. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's many, many times the one-winged angel angel gets teased, but he never actually does the move unless it's going to finish the match, right? Because nobody kicks out of the one-winged angel. Most protected move in a, in all of professional wrestling right now. Um, the lockjaw can be similar, you know. Counter counter the move before you get thrown to the ground, and don't do this rolling around pin to submission to pin to submission kind of stuff if she's going to go for the move you kind of somersault through and you get away and then you continue the match and wrestling and then when when brett pulls you down you just take you just take the loss at that point i think that works a lot better it, it even makes the move even stronger in the end because when it does get locked in even when it gets half locked in, you're still, you're still out for the count essentially. Right. So right, right. I, th I think that's a, that, that's a, that's a note that maybe Brit could take instead of trying to do all this funny business uh, of your opponent kind of countering it and showing that struggle just makes the move look weak. Lock it in and make them tap. Yeah. Yeah. That's, good that's, point. That's my tips, but uh, no, it was very, very good match. Um, I, I I mentioned that it was very old school and how they were just really slow paced on the outside of the ring. They were constantly breaking the count to extend it longer. Uh, Britt was really working on that arm to set up the lockjaw. Like all that was really, really well done. But like you said, that ending part really, really takes the gas 
out, out of the match. From there, we move on to the next matchup of the night. We had Hangman Adam Page tagging with Matt Hardy to take on Chaos Project, Luther and Serpentico. Um, this is a, a match that we've seen kind of build just in the last week with uh, Hangman's uh, singles match. Excuse me, that uh, we've seen and Matt Hardy coming out to cheer him on and then, you know, Matt Hardy trying to kind of recruit hangman page as as we mentioned last week uh we got to see a little bit earlier in the night that there was an interaction between these two um in the locker room i think marvez might have been there and and hardy kind of mentioning that he wants to you know help adam page uh you know they're both you know from the carolina area and that's when Hangman's like, "Look, man, I'm not looking. I'm not looking to join up in in anything. And uh, I'm here to be alone. I'm just here to dress, kind of thing." And Hardy kind of works his way out of that one. Page agrees to to help uh, Hardy to take on Chaos Project to kind of revenge for Negative One's uh, birthday being ruined by Chaos Project. So that was kind of the the emphasis of this match. The match itself. There's not a lot you can say bad about this. This was really, really clean. And when you got when you got guys like uh, like Luther in there, uh, kind of, I'm assuming Luther is uh, quarterbacking this match, if you will, really setting the pace and and making sure everything stays in line. Like things kind of go off without a hitch, and that was very much this match. Um, I enjoyed it. Hardy, being Hardy kind of getting that character over, got that stuff in. There's nothing wrong with this, with this segment. I liked it. Yeah, this was a really good match. Uh, Hangman kind of being the the star of the show, Luther and Serpentico doing what they do best in their uniqueness of a, of a tag team. And, uh, you know, Matt Harley, Matt Hardy just kind of, uh, you know, just making it, you know, full circle. Um, yeah, no real highlights. It's all the same kind of things that you would expect out of, out of these guys and just solid, no botches, everything, you know, went as, as planned. And then we kind of get a little bit of story at the end where Matt Hardy does to hangman what he's been doing to private party in that he mm-hmm. kind of steals the win here steals the spotlight by tagging himself in and then getting the pin after adam page does all the work do you feel like this story ends here or or will this adam page matt hardy thing continue uh i think i think we need another segment or two with these two to kind of close things off. I don't think it needs to go any further. I think hangman can very much be like, Hey, if this is what this is going to be about, then I'm out kind of thing. Like, and just kind of shut the door, but we still have to to see that. Right. So, but yeah, I definitely think hangman's not gonna, it's not gonna pussyfoot around that. You know, that's kind of a, going to be a deal breaker for him. Yeah, his reaction after the match when, you know, Matt Hardy is encouraging him to sort of celebrate with him, Adam Page's look on his face was, 
you know, I, I should have expected it. Right. <laughs> you know, right. you got me, you got me. I, I fell for it and whatever. We'll bask in the glory of, of this win. But, uh, you know, the, the future maybe, uh, you know, not sort of set in stone at this point. Right. Right. Uh, from there we get into, uh, the segments, the segment section of the show. It starts off really quickly. Jericho and MJF uh, celebrating their win in the Battle Royale. They got a cooler full of the bubbly, and uh, they're going to go celebrate with Inner Circle. Inner Circle all being a part of the Battle Royale, kind of seeing what what happened. Um, maybe not too happy. Sammy's the one who voices it up that, uh, you know, what does he say? Uh, he he's questioning if if inner circle is 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 on the same page if they're all in this together and he kind of storms off jericho taken aback from this decides to chase after him and then we get uh mjf's kind of working his magic i guess you can say uh with with proud and powerful and hager still in there um he uh kind of asks them to uh stick around and and he wants to talk to them tells Wardlow to to take care of it and uh he kicks the camera out so we don't get to see what happens there. I thought that was you know the the Sammy and, and Jericho stuff was kind of hokey. It it overacted if you will, but just the MGF stuff was saying like, hey, let's take this time and let's talk and Wardlow kicking the camera out. Like that's really cool. Will we get to see what was said behind closed doors? Uh will proud and powerful come out and, and, and acknowledge, you know, what MJF had to say, who, who will, we'll have to wait to see. So I like all that stuff. This was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm almost, almost wondering if, you know, cause we've been kind of predicting this potential breakup with inner circle. I just have this feeling like this could be all a swerve that it's not going to end up the way that, that we think it's going to be. And it's kind of moments like this that it's almost, it's playing out too right. Right. It's playing out too much how we would think it would be. So I just feel like uh, there's a swerve in there, but I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I, I like these, I like these moments and see where it's going to go. And Hey, maybe it's a revolution where, where this all comes to play in with uh you know don't want to don't want to predict it now but you know maybe there's a a loss and it's because of this moment right here oh interesting interesting we'll have to wait and see uh from there we get into the wedding of penelope ford and kip sabian i mean there was a lot of um what <laughs> what's the word apprehension towards this segment there's been a lot of talk uh on social media you know wrestling weddings do they have their place do they make sense uh you know they always end up bad nothing goes um is this an actual wedding between these two uh we kind of had that discussion and you know <laughs> for the uh for how it all went down, I mean, it went down pretty much without 
without a hitch. Like, I mean, it was, I, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if this was an actual, you know, wedding, you know, and then they just did their legal stuff behind, behind the scenes or whatever. And this was just for the show, but you know, it doesn't get interrupted during the wedding they get through the vows they they get through everything the the rings they both say i do like everything went without a hitch so i think in that sense alone it makes the segment very very interesting because they didn't follow suit with uh kind of all the vanilla weddings that we had seen in the past you know this was kind of on the up and up but of course things can't be perfect what wedding has ever been perfect in the history of life? So let's talk about what happened after the wedding. As Charles Taylor mentions that he got the couple a gift. And Miro being, oh, I've seen this before. <laughs> what, what did you think? Uh, do, do you think Miro kind of trying to steal the show here or or what like what what would you think of Miro here well i i really feel like they were cognizant of like past weddings in wrestling and there's kind of this idea of what they are and they're always kind of this segment that's way too long and you know once you've seen a couple you've really seen them all and the moment where this kind of all changes for us is when the the person that's officiating the 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 wedding here says you know does anybody have an issue with the two of these people wedding and you know this is kind of the magic words of where it usually all goes to crap Miro stops him and says, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. This isn't happening in this wrestling wedding. And right there, it's just like, okay, this is, this is going to be different. You know, maybe this is the real deal. Like maybe we're actually going to, we're going to get out of this segment with no problems. But, you know, we've seen, We've seen a lot of wrestling in our time, and we know when there's a big box in the ring <laughs> that there's very likely someone in there. So, of course, this is where it goes. And and I think this reaction by Miro is sort of the same as, you know, stopping the, the guy from saying, you know, are there objections? It was the same kind of idea. You know, we're not. This isn't going to be your typical wrestling wedding and and he goes to tan on this box thinking that you know there's someone that's going to be in there he's going to take them out but it's empty and now we're just befuddled at this point as to like where where is the segment going is, is Miro going to trash the wedding it's actually going to be not trashed by somebody they're going to dismantle it themselves i, I thought that if that's where it was headed it was going to be a pretty good angle um but uh no that's not where it goes the the ironic part about this is it actually goes to plan <laughs> as your typical wrestling wedding would go which i thought was just all fantastic uh it, 
It really worked out well. It was very Tar- Tarantino of them. Yeah, that's a good you know, point. You 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 you're sh- in Tarantino movies, you're showing the end. And then you go back and you see how they got there. You know where it's headed and you almost see what's happening. And then it doesn't quite happen, but then it happens. And that's exactly what this wedding was. We know how it's going to go. The bride's going to be face first in the cake. She's going to be upset. The groom's going to take a big bump because he's going to try to, you know, because he's angry that things are being ruined. But then it doesn't happen. And you're like, well, what the hell? And then, you know, there's the distraction uh, of I, I, I wonder if the singing of the Hathaway song was part of this. If it was or it felt so organic, but it was the perfect distraction. It was the perfect distraction for Chucky or Charles Taylor uh, handcuffing Miro to to the rope. Like, I didn't see that coming at all because it happened so organically. Like, it just, it literally just felt like Miro was having fun with the crowd. But then it's revealed that he's handcuffed. Up pops the, up pops the cake top and and there's Orange Cassidy, you know, and then all, all goes to hell. It was, it was really, really well done. I, I agree. Yeah, I I think it's just um I don't know, it's embracing wrestling. This this is this is what a a wrestling wedding is and and we're not going to deviate from the tradition of that. And although they did it differently, it was done in a very very smart way. And um as much as I was dreading dreading this segment, Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you look at how they pieced it together, uh, you have to give kudos to, to this, uh, you know, Miro doing a very good job and, and just all of it was, was done really well. Is it my favorite segment that AW will ever do? No, it's not going to be on my top five, but for as kind of bad as these segments are in wrestling, I just thought they did it in such a smart way. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be one of my, my uh, favorite moments, but not because of, you know, the segment itself. It's how they pulled it off. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just quickly, it's interesting that, you know, Rusev, one of Rusev's last storylines in Vanilla Brand was a wedding. You know, Lana's getting married to to Bobby Lashley and, and Rusev's there to to interrupt it. And and that very much goes the way we think it's going to go. And, you know, Lana's just swimming in cake and, and she's crying and Miro beats the shit out of Lashley and, and, and everything's, you know, hunky dory. So when Miro debuts in AEW. And he's in, introduced as the best man for Kip Sabian at his wedding. And I'm like, wow. His last storyline in Vanilla was a wedding. And his first storyline in AEW is going to be a wedding. I I wonder if this was pitched to him. And he's just like, I love it. No one will see it coming. And I bet they had, they had all that time 
what has it been like four or five months since Miro debuted like October, right? They had four or five months to, to plan this segment out to make sure that it, like, like we said, it, it is what we think it is, but we pull it off. You know, we swerve them by thinking everything was fine. And then, and then we give them what they think they, they, they were going to see. Like they, they pulled it off. They pulled it off. It was perfect. Yeah, it was smart. Uh, this moves into the next matchup of the night. We had the uh, Lumberjack match. This was kind of, um, I think this was placed in like really late in the week last week. Um, Murder Hawk Monster Lance Archer going up against Eddie Kingston uh, in a Lumberjack match. Uh, I think this is like the second or third Lumberjack match we've had in AEW. The last two, not very good. We make the jokes of, you know, these aren't even actually lumberjack matches. You know, we kind of we kind of make references to that. And and this one was really no different. Um the match itself, uh Archer and Kingston was okay. We had the spots where Archer goes out of the ring and Butcher and the Blade are there with a couple of their cronies and then they beat him up and then they throw him back in and I don't know. Just overall, I, I think this hurt the whole story altogether because the match last week with the knuckle duster and Eddie Kingston getting a win over Archer, that was so much better. And I think they took a really big step back with this one. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. I'm going to say, you know what? It's, it's kind of difficult to do a lumberjack match at Daly's place with the ramp they have there. Cause really a lumberjack match should have everybody around. What I don't like about it is so they're on either side, the lumberjacks I'm talking about. And it's kind of this, you know, you got all the heels on one side and the faces on the other side. I don't know. I think it needs to be maybe mixed up a little bit. We need to have the lumberjacks more a part of the match, maybe even fighting with one another. I like how vanilla does that. You know, when you have, you know, rival guys standing next to each other and I don't know, you don't get those. There should be a little bit more chaos. Like a lumberjack should be a special match. And this wasn't really special. It was really just a regular match with some people standing outside. Um, you know, the best part of this match is uh, the bunny getting involved. Uh, why yeah, don't you really was. tell us about this one? Well, there was one moment there where uh, Archer is about to just absolutely dismantle Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston has taken a lot of abuse in this match up to this point, much like the week before. And then in comes the bunny and she jumps on Archer's back with the, uh, with the sleeper hold. And he just, I mean, of course, overpowers her, actually gets her up into the blackout. She is screaming her head off. And, uh, this leads to a a good, uh, kind of comeback for Eddie Kingston, um, getting a, a spinning back fist this time, not with the knuckle duster. So, um, you know, Archer sells this really great. He goes right to the mat like it knocked him out, but kicks out uh, at two. Um, this was kind of the turnaround of the match. Um, 
but definitely was the high spot of the whole match. You know what I mean? Like if it wasn't for this bunny match, I I, I might've been, I might've been on the PlayStation, <laughs> you know, like this, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. match was pretty, this match was pretty boring. And, and, and especially a week after such a good match between these two, like I said, it really took away from that match before. If, if they hold off on this and do it a couple weeks later, maybe it has a better impact. But uh, AEW definitely hasn't figured out the Lumberjack match yet. That's, that's 100%. Um, mm-hmm. Between the ramp, uh, not having enough guys out there, you know, definitely is, is hurting these matches. Anyways, Larcher wins it with the blackout, of course. So they're kind of one and one between the two of them. I don't think this story is over yet. Uh, but mind you, we'll be we'll be talking about Archer here in a minute. This leads into a quick segment with uh, FTR. Excalibur kind of sends to this as a, as a disturbing video, and it's just them sitting in a trailer. Uh, this promos really tully like tully absolutely killed this promo i feel um kind of the best stuff we've seen out of him in a really long time uh but essentially they have marco stunt handcuffed and duct taped and 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 held hostage really um this all kind of pertaining to their current feud with jurassic express um i don't know if they needed to go down this road per se the just the whole hostage thing i think they very well could have did the same thing with just having marco beat up in the back and standing over him i think it has the same effect um i feel like being tied up and and and, you know gagged and stuff is just kind of sending the wrong message but uh it's interesting stuff we'll see where it goes what do you think of this yeah, I, it is, it's a bit weird. Uh, I think it would be better if they were like, I don't know, had them stuffed in a locker or something like that, like they were playing <laughs> a, a prank on them rather than it being more of this sort of kidnap scenario and this right. all being in re, uh, retaliation because they they weren't a part of the... They were kind of suspended from being in this tag team battle royal. So yeah, I don't know. A little bit weird. I, I think they, they could have did it differently, but um, I mean, I think they needed a segment during this show. It'd just be too weird oh, sure. to have this, this big tag team event. And then, and then they don't have any, any part of it at all. So right. um, yeah, I probably wouldn't execute it this way, but it, it came off decent. But you're right, like Tully, this needed to be a Tully thing. I felt like um, it was really good that he did most of the speaking during this one. Yeah, it was really cool to see. Uh, and then this leads into our main event. They've been um, pushing this for a few weeks now. I was really excited to see this matchup. Um, John Moxley, Pac, and Ray Phoenix versus uh, AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers. Uh, Don Callis joining commentary as he likes to do on Dynamite and pay-per-views alike. Um, I, I really like Don Callis when it comes to commentary. That guy is the goat when it comes to commentary. He can be, he can be the the straight up color guy. He can be the heel 
kind of color guy. Like he can really do it all when it comes to commentary. Uh, anytime that guy is off camera and talking on the mic, I'm all for. <laughs> yeah, he's super, super sharp. Very, very fast on things. There was a couple of things I felt like in this match that probably didn't go the way as planned, but Don was right in there to to say something that almost made it seem like it was supposed to be part of the match. Uh, and I feel like he he saved some of those little kind of, uh, we'll, we'll call the mini botches. And right. um, yeah, that's, that's his specialty. Perfect at it. For sure. Uh, let's talk about this matchup. I mean, as far as six-man tags go, this was a pretty entertaining match. I mean, we got six of the... Um, the hottest personalities in, in professional wrestling today being, you know, John Moxley, Pac and Ray Phoenix and, uh, you know, Omega and the good brothers, uh, huge story implications coming from, from this matchup. You know, we have the whole Kenny Omega, um, Moxley stuff. You have the, the, the good brothers and the impact kind of invasion. They attacking, uh, them attacking Penta in the back, which led to Moxley kind of, uh, being the replacement for this match. So there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, the match itself was really, really well done. It was super, super exciting. Uh, it flowed really well. There was none of those kind of um, six-man tag moments, uh, I'll say, where things just get really confusing. There's almost too much going on. Uh, the, I mean, I have to admit, in the last six months in these multi-man tag matches in a in aew they've really figured it out to where keep things on a singular basis keep the focus where the focus needs to be kept and, and just let things layer on top of each other and this is very much what the six-man tag was there was nothing really missed uh they kept everything focused in on the ring there was a couple of little outside things but i mean they they covered it perfectly and and as this you know six man match six man tag matches go this one was really good and it was really fun to watch yeah i agree with everything you're saying and uh i'm thinking about uh, the the one guy in this group who's probably the the lesser known guy ray phoenix uh you have all of these superstar guys um, you know, most of these guys been in, in vanilla brand, Kenny Omega, the, you know, number one wrestler for, you know, the past few years. And then you have Ray Phoenix. And I really thought Ray Phoenix was the man of this match. Uh, he shone with all of these other stars there. Um, just a, a fantastic match. Him and Kenny's work together was fantastic. It's, uh, not too many times we're going to say that, you know, John Moxley was outshone by somebody else, but I thought Ray right. Phoenix did did really well in this one. But uh, the the six of them together, uh, you know, this was a, a fantastic match. Uh, I would uh, I would pay to see this one again. Um, I thought it was I thought it was that good for uh, a six man tag team. Um, I don't know that they could have done this any better. Right. Uh, 100% agree. Uh, Ray Phoenix, man, he's so smooth. He is so smooth. There's that spot where, um, uh, I think it's Carl Anderson throws him out of the ring and he kind of does the, you know, 
the inverted 619 where he kind of catches himself, swings back into the ring. If, if you guys haven't like really paid attention to the spot, go back and watch it again uh, on demand on TSN. He flips back into the ring. He literally takes one step. His foot plants. And he spins and hits that hook kick all in one fluid motion. There was no stutter step to get to get set. Carl Anderson was right there, ready to take the spot. It was so smooth. And that's only one spot in the match. He did the, he Ray Phoenix did this time and time again during this match. He hit a, a thrust kick, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But he hits <laughs> he hits the thrust kick on on Gallows and Gallows barely needed to duck down. You know, we're talking someone who's well over six feet tall, uh, you know, and Phoenix can't be much taller than me. If anything, you know, that guy's got to be five, seven, five, eight. Yeah, I, I would think. And, and he hits the, the super kick on, on Gallows. Like Phoenix is an absolute stud and uh, he showed it in this matchup. But let's talk about Excalibur for a second really quick. All right. What? Why is he calling like he's referring to these super kicks as thrust kicks? And I know I understand that the super kick has kind of been, you know, relegated to this menial move that everybody does. And, you know, the super kick, the sweet chin music, whatever you want to call it, that it, that's kind of a finisher move. And it was kind of a big thing. But now it's kind of a, you know, a so-so thing. I I guess that's the argument that if you call it a thrust kick, then it's just an everyday thing. Uh, I I've yet to I've yet to notice if that when the young bucks do it, if he calls it a super kick, is that just a young bucks thing right now for Excalibur? What are your thoughts on him kind of kind of I don't know disrespecting the super kick? I guess it's definitely odd. Um, it was very, very noticeable, and we caught it right away. I think we both at the same time yeah. kind of repeated it. Like we're like thrust kick. That's a super kick. Like what are you talking about? The guy is supposed to know every move on the planet. Um, I thought it was a bit weird. I think what we kind of came up with is like, yeah, there he's gonna make it special for the young bucks, and then everybody else is just going to be this this thrust kick um i mean i don't know i don't know i, I it doesn't sit well with me but uh i guess there's other examples of this as well where they they have a different name for the move maybe out of respect for the person who sort of made it famous right um uh an example that comes to mind is the perfect plex. Like it, it, it's just a fisherman suplex, but when Mr. Perfect did it, Kurt Henning, it was a perfect plex. And that maybe that's kind of what they're trying to reestablish with the super kick. And maybe it's only a super kick. If Matt and Nick Jackson do it, maybe that's, that's going to be the new thing. It, it's definitely, it's definitely off putting. Cause I do feel like, you could you could take the other side of the argument with the DDT. Jake Roberts invented the DDT. 
he named it the DDT. It's not like it was the the snake drop or or something kind of gimmicky like that. It was called the DDT, and now that's what it's called. It's that's what that move's called. It is been again relegated to kind of an everyday menial wrestling move, but they still call it the DDT. So there is that uh, kind of argument on both sides, but uh, I might I might need to take this to Twitter. Uh, maybe I'll post that tonight after we're done recording. Have a little poll. Is it a thrust kick or a super kick? What do you guys think we should call this? I'll tag Excalibur in it. Um, I'll tag Taz in it too, just to tell him he's a bitch and see if he'll actually <laughs> refer back to me yet. <laughs> I don't know why I want this heat with Taz so bad, but I do. Anyways, um... But let's talk about the end of this matchup. Uh, Good Brothers hit the Magic Killer. Gallows gets the one, two, three. It was was a really cool finish. It was very classic six-man tag. Everybody kind of got their spot in right at the end as as the match climaxes. It was really good. And after the one, two, three, they immediately start kicking, uh, stomping on Ray Phoenix, uh, showing that disrespect, if you will. Moxley attempting to come in for the save. The numbers are a little too heavy. I don't I don't understand where Pac disappeared in this at this point. Because you just rewatched it and I still don't know where the heck he was. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's really it's it's interesting. I wonder I wonder what happened there. But it's Lance Archer that comes out for the save. The music hits, he comes rushing in, gets right in, takes everybody out, kind of focuses focuses his attention on Gallows. As they go off, and then all that's left in the ring is Moxley and Omega. Um, very quickly, wh- what do you think of this spot with Archer? Do you think something legitimately happened with Pac, or was this the plan all along? Um, I I I don't get why Archer's out there. Is it is, well? Yeah, if this wasn't planned then wow they they sure came up with something pretty quick um, right. to do that although um you know now knowing that it was heavily heavily edited i mean this could have been an afterthought and something they, they sure. cooked up after the fact um I, i'm going to go on as saying as i think this was the plan the commentary explained that archer has had heat or been involved with Omega and the Good Brothers at some time. I cannot remember that time, so I don't know if they're talking about maybe uh, New, Japan. New Japan, maybe like something outside of what yeah. we've seen. Um, and if that's the case, then wow, that's uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I found it very, very odd. It didn't make sense. It it was just sort of out of the blue, and it, and it was also weird because we had just saw him in, in another yes. match, like just a little while ago. So, um, yeah, no, I was a bit confused. But um, I mean, it what it got was Omega. And Moxley were the only ones in the ring. So he kind of cleared house. So maybe that was his only purpose. Who knows? Yeah, I just I just feel like there there could have been a smarter way to do it. Like 
we don't know where Pac went. Pac very easily could have came in and took and took out Gallows. Ray Phoenix gets up from his little beating and takes Carl Anderson, and we still end up with Moxley and Omega in the ring. We didn't need Archer. Right? So I don't know. I, I'm I'm still I'm still on the fence. I don't get it. He does have that sort of I guess you could say he has that sort of team uh kind of partnership with Death Triangle. There there's that kind of relationship when they were going against Eddie Kingston. But I mean that's a stretch. Yeah, in, in the yeah. grand scheme of things, it's a little out of place. But anyways, Moxley and Omega are in the ring. They're alone. Omega or uh, Moxley's got that look in his eye like he's going to tear Omega's head off. But before he can, holy smokes, the surprise of the century. No, maybe not that surprising. Um, I mean, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this moment. I've. <laughs> Called it out a few weeks ago. Uh, Kenta showing up on AEW. Um, I think he messed up the reveal a little bit. I, I really think he should have kept the mask and the toque on and unzipped his shirt so we could see that go to sleep club t-shirt and then take off his mask and stuff like that. But it was still really, really cool. Um, we saw Moxley uh, show up at the LA dojo and kind of confront Kenta in the new Japan setting, um, I've been, I've kind of been telling you about how Kent has got the briefcase in New Japan, which grants him a title shot at the U.S. the IWGP U.S. title. So I mean, he's showing up at some time. Um, whatever you know, boundaries needed to be broken down, they've finally been broken down. Officially, I think we can say officially. New Japan Pro Wrestling is is all in with this with this uh amalgamation of, of wrestling promotions right now. You know, AEW, Impact, NWA, AAA, you know, and now New Japan. Like this is really really big news. We, this was a a working relationship that we've thought existed you know since the beginning. But, you know, pandemic uh new japan changing ceos kind of thing uh that relationship really wasn't there until now and and it's official now new japan has thrown their ring their hand in the ring man this is really big news what did you think of kenta showing up uh i i mean it was a a big a big surprise uh i haven't seen kenta in, in a long time and um yeah, I I thought the reveal would have been better if he would have done it the way that you're suggesting, where we just see the shirt. Because even there, it's still like, you know, people. Maybe he didn't do it because people might not know. Like, we we have to assume that people aren't into New Japan Pro Wrestling and and maybe aren't familiar with Kenta that way. Um, but uh, anyway, surprise. He's a bit small to get that go to sleep on Kenny Omega. I thought it looked a little bit I'm not awesome. there. Yeah, it could it could have been could have been the camera angle though. Um, but I mean, it's it it's what it's, it 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 all means. And 
man, it's just such an exciting time to be watching professional wrestling. Just it just gets me so pumped. Is is big big surprise. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting it at uh, I believe it was full gear. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe maybe Kent is gonna show up and and, and you know get in Moxley's face, but we never saw that. And, and you know, I, I I honestly I forgot about it. And uh, if you remember while we were watching this on on Wednesday, and I can tell the guy's Japanese in the little you know the little space uh, between the toque and the mask. I'm like, is Nakazawa like getting aggressive here? Like I called, <laughs> I thought it was Nak. I thought it was Nak, and then he pulls out the toque. I'm like, holy shit, it's Kenta! Like I popped hard. Uh, yeah, super yeah. exciting stuff. Um, uh, later, later this week, um, actually, I think this came out yesterday, uh, Thursday, um, as we're recording this, uh, there was a social media exclusive on AEW's Instagram page, which shows, um, Kenta was leaving, you know, kind of walking through the parking lot. Kenny Omega chases him down. They have a quick conversation. Uh, Kenny Omega really, um, really laying on this bullet club stuff, calling him brother Kenta. And, you know, if, uh, you know, if brother switchblade, uh, told me, you know, he, I, I wish he would have told me you were coming. We would, have, you know, welcomed you. We would have had you set up, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't have had to sneak in. Like I, I wish I would have known. And, and Kenta just very, very simply just, you know, I'm not here for you. I'm not, you know, we're not brothers just absolutely breaks that, uh, that, um, thought process in, in, in Kenny that, uh, you know, this, this resurgence of the American bullet club as compared to the Japanese bullet club, it's not there and, and really kind of hammering that home. Kenta walks off. Kenny does a quick promo to the camera, uh, and then chases, chases Kenta down again and and uh, tries to talk to him some more. We don't get to see that part of course, but this is really really cool. This is a um a really I think this is a really essential interaction in the grand scheme of things when it comes to AEW uh Impact and New Japan. Uh what did you think of this social media exclusive? Yeah, I I really like that they did this. I think they should do this more often. They don't have to be, you know, super long segments. But um, the content of this, very, very important on the whole, you know, Bullet Club type of storyline. This, you know, is taking me back to the very beginning of our episode here where we're hearing Nick Jackson say, you know, we're not working with them. Um, This isn't uh, this isn't a work. And it's like, it's totally, it's totally a work. This is totally what we're going. <laughs> it's 100% a work. Um, <laughs> uh, quickly, I, I don't know if you seen this, but I, I, I stumbled across it. Speaking of Brother Switchblade, uh, we watched Wrestle Kingdom. You know, he loses his match against Kota Ibushi on night two of Wrestle Kingdom, and he absolutely disappeared for a month uh from from new japan there was a lot of rumors about where he was gonna end up 
if he was on his way to WWE, WWE was very, very, um, uh, very, very interested in Jay White. Uh, and then reports came out uh, earlier this week that Jay White had signed like a, a super long contract back in 2018. Uh, there was no doubt that he was coming back to New Japan. He showed up this week at, at, at a New Japan show. He attacks Minoru Suzuki, uh, joined by his uh, Bullet Club uh, uh, brethren, if you will. And then he cuts a promo in, in you know, in their media you know, professional wrestling in, J- in Japan is, is very, very legit. And the actual press, the media covers it like it's a real sport. So they have the press conferences after every show and stuff like that. Jay White comes out and he references, he references, um, you know, I'm still here. This is my bullet club. I'm not going anywhere. This isn't that fake bullet club over in America, you know, doing their reunions, trying to, you know, make themselves relevant. I'm here with the real Bullet Club and, and you know, and he goes on and on and on. Um, I think that's a very important piece of this whole puzzle too. That, you know, and 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 we've we've heard uh Tamatanga on on social media on and on Twitter, uh, you know, referencing the Bullet Club shirts that were worn on Hard to Kill. This whole bullet club thing is 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 very, very, very interesting. And I don't think we're done with it. I, I think it's just beginning. I I still think it's a work. It's a hundred percent of work. This is Adam Cole, Pat McAfee all over again. They're doing a really <laughs> good job. They are doing a very, very good job of making it seem like there's some real heat between Japan and, and America. But I just don't see how how they could attempt i don't think kenny and the good brothers could pull this off without some conversations you know what i mean right and that's all right right um i i i I be with this amalgamation or partnership with all these different companies it i don't think it works very well when just all of a sudden you know somebody from new japan just kind of shows up there needs to be a catalyst for what is bringing this all together and what better than than the Bullet Club, which has members, founding members that are here in America, um, to to, to kind of work this angle. I, I think it's absolutely perfect. It's it's really the only way that it can go, and and it's also covering more more companies with you know Impact having the Good Brothers in there and possibly. I don't know if there's anybody else that was part of that New Japan run with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. If there's some wrestlers in Impact from that time, but if there is, then you know that that would be very very cool. Uh, outside of AEW, Impact, and New Japan, I think the only other Bullet Club members that are are that are out there are all in Vanilla Brand, and. Don't kid yourself, they are talking about this. And one being Adam Cole himself. He he was caught in the social media thread with Kenta showing up. He he's posting. 
Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, uh, but he's interested. It sounds like, and, and we know Adam Cole's contract is, is coming up this year. I believe, um, I think that's a no brainer. We also got AJ Styles, unfortunately signed a big five year deal with vanilla. Uh, and then we got, uh, we got the Prince himself, the, the OG OG, the one who started it all with Tamatanga. Prince Devitt, Finn Balor. I mean, it, it, I honestly, if WWE, if, if Triple H could make this happen where WWE gets in this working relationship, even if it's just those three guys, even if it's just Finn Balor, AJ, and Adam Cole, if they start doing this crossover stuff with these other companies, I don't know, man. Professional wrestling is going to be very, very interesting to watch. Yeah, very, very I don't. I don't see Vince allowing that at Vince all. Vince will never do it. Vince will never do it. it. It'll be up to Triple H. It'll be up to Triple H. And I th- and I feel like he would still be re- reluctant as well to do it. I, I think Triple H has a lot of pride, and um, and and I think he will have some influence with Stephanie as well, right? Because this is her father's company, and right, and. uh you know, her grandfather's company and, and, and that kind of thing. But man, if he could sell it to them and, and this isn't even about, I mean, the money will come, but it's not about money. It's not about anything. It's about bringing wrestling back to the forefront, back to the days of, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock Mm -hmm. and Mankind when everybody was talking about wrestling. Six million viewers a week. Six million watching Raw and Nitro. They were both pulling in six million viewers a week. This is the golden age. We could get back there. We really, really could with really great storytelling like this and all the crossovers. Everybody loves a crossover. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ah, uh, it's exciting stuff. It's very very exciting stuff. Um we, we just got to keep we just got to keep tuning in uh to see what happens next. It it's it's honestly all up in the air, man. They can take this bullet club stuff in any direction. You know who oh, you know who else I forgot? Marty Skrull's still out there. Oh yeah. Totally Which forgot. version of Bullet Club is he gonna join when he's ready to to get back out there? It's exciting stuff. It's very, very exciting stuff. Uh that's our show for this week. Thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget that uh, you can catch us on uh Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more wherever you uh, decide to listen to us, make sure you're subscribed so you see exactly when the episodes go live. Um Get, leave us leave us those five star ratings if available. Uh, we really appreciate it. It helps the show out, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you all next week. I can't I can't wait to talk more Bullet Club. The Bullet Club's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Thanks for listening, everybody. Top guys out. Yeah.